Good morning and welcome to A Penny for Your Thoughts with Brian Barnhart on News Talk 1400 WDWS. For over 60 years, East Central Illinois' daily gathering spot for conversation, dialogue, and ideas. You can join in on the phone, online, or via a text. Our phone number is 217-356-9397. Email talk at WDWS.com or text us on the Castle Heating and Cooling text line 217-351-5357. Now, here's Brian Barnhart. And good morning, everybody. Welcome to A Penny for Your Thoughts here on News Talk 1400 DWS as we enter the month of July. Good and hot here as we get ready for the 4th of July as well as it should be on this July 2nd. Glad you're with us. Hope you had a safe and happy weekend. Had a busy weekend over the last couple of days. Uh, Unfortunately, had to attend a funeral of uh, close uh, friends of my wife and I and uh, many, many people uh, in town who lost a daughter. Went to that. Uh, Then went down to Tolono Fun Days. Was involved with activities down there on uh, Saturday night. And then yesterday at the Ice Cream and Independence had a great time with everybody there, with uh, Jim and with uh, Linda Morehouse and with Yvonne Redmond and uh, the Civic Wind uh, Orchestra there and everything else that went on. It was just a great, great show and a great way to kick off the 4th of July activities. But in the middle of all of that, uh, a sad note, very sad note for those of us who work here at News Gazette Media, the loss of a colleague, a leader, a friend, uh, and a gentleman who had a huge impact, not only on our community, but on this newspaper, on the radio, on the print, digital, uh, was just a leader in this business. So we're going to uh, reminisce a little bit here in this first hour uh, about John Foreman, who passed away over the weekend at the age of 65. We'll tell you about his career and uh, talk with the people that knew him the best here in the next hour. We'll have uh, the first segment here, John Reed. We'll have Jim Dye and Mike Hale. And then in the second half hour, after the news at 9.30, we'll have Jim Rosso, we'll have Mary Shank, and Tom Casey. These are all folks who have uh, worked in and around and with John Foreman all these years here at the News Gazette Media, and we'll visit with those folks, get their thoughts and uh, recollections of the life and impact and career of John Foreman. We'll do that, and then we'll have an open line in hour number two. Lots of things to talk about in the second hour. But we'll take our opening break and come back with our first three guests, after this time out on Penny for Your Thoughts. Back on Penny for Your Thoughts, News Talk 1400 DWS. We have a today's show. We'll be on with you tomorrow. Wednesday we will be off. I will be anyway. But the station, of course, keeps running. And then what we're going to do is air the Ice Cream and Independence show, among other uh, special July 4th programming on uh, Wednesday in the Penny slot and then back at it on Thursday with um, regular programming. But, uh, boy, a sad note over the weekend. I was actually in my car listening to uh, Saturday Sports Talk on my way uh, elsewhere and heard uh, Steve Kelly and Lauren Tate mention about John Foreman, and I had to listen twice to to think about that and uh, the the impact of his life and just the fact that he was no longer with us, that he was gone. He passed away at the age of 65. Some people have called him the quintessential newspaper man. Uh, combine that with the current media, with digital and radio. He was the spirit of the News Gazette. I know one uh, fellow employee said he graduated from Amwood, uh, Atwood Hammond High School in 1970, married Sharon in uh, 1972, his wife, uh, graduated the University of Illinois, joined the News Gazette staff, worked his way up from part-time reporter on the weekends, Night City editor, managing editor, editor-in-chief, publisher in 2003, and then finally editor emeritus in 2017. 
He won numerous awards, president of the Illinois Press Association, the Illinois Associated Press Editors, and hired almost everyone who is working here now in this building, uh, including three gentlemen we've got uh, for you in this first half hour. We just wanted to bring them in because I thought the people that worked with John the closest and knew him the best personally and professionally, and we'll have some more guests in the second half hour, but John Reed, who is the current uh, CEO and publisher, Jim Dye, of course, our uh, editorials editor, columnist, and then Mike Hale, who's the vice president of the company, but uh, also with the radio general manager of our uh, three radio stations in this building. And John Reed, I'll, I'll start with you. You had 48 hours to kind of and I'm think, still think about yeah, this. and I'm still I'm still processing it to be honest with you. Yeah. Um, but, you know, as I as I commented in the in the piece we ran Sunday, it's Saturday was a sad day for everybody, and it it continues to be a sad day, frankly. Mm. Um, but uh, it was uh, a bit of an odd coincidence Saturday after after I got the news Saturday morning I was reflecting for a bit and it occurred to me at that moment that Saturday was exactly 10 years to the day after I started working for John I I, I joined this company uh, after knowing John for a couple of years when I was publishing the paper in Danville and um, uh, he hired me June and I started June 30th, 2008. And from day one, John and I had a fantastic relationship. And it was it was clear to me at that point, having been in the business for about eight years at, at that point, that I had really landed in a special place. And it was special because of, of John Foreman, his dedication to the craft, his his commitment to excellence in everything we did was really beyond the pale. I've, I've never had the opportunity to work with somebody in this business who was that committed, that skilled, um, and put everything he had into it. Just it's been, it, was, it was a tremendous, tremendous 10 years, and I, I consider myself lucky to have known him. And I'm sure you learned this early on when you started working for him. He set a very high standard. I mean, you wanted to do a good job because of the standard that he set. Right? Absolutely. Ab- Absolutely, and you know, of course, by the time I got here, I don't, I didn't have the benefit like the gentleman sitting to my right uh, has had of working with him for darn near his his entire career. So I didn't get to work alongside him um, as he came up through through the ranks. But I got here, and you know, it was clear I I was here after the former owner, Mrs. Kinigo, died, and you know, it was that the the leadership, that commitment, as you said, to, to excellence that drove him along with you know some some uh, advisors and and our board to create the ownership structure that that we have there could have been a lot of guys in in his role because he when, when mrs kennego died he would have been the general manager at the time um there could have been a lot of guys in his role that were just content to wait and sit back and see what happened but john had the had the foresight the and the determination, frankly, to carry out Mrs. Kinnigo's wishes and see that this company remain independent and remain locally owned. And over a period of years, they set up the Marriage and Stevic Foundation, which now owns 100% of News News Gazette Media and has honored that tradition of keeping it local and, and keeping it independent. Yeah, it's interesting. And I think Sometimes it's easy to take for granted because we're around it every day, but the fact that this is locally owned puts 
uh, resources back into the community. I mean, right. a lot of we're a rare bird in this business because a lot of newspapers are corporately owned somewhere oh, else. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, I mean, we are you know we are part of a very very small minority of media companies left left in the country. And you know, to be clear, I have to give John Foreman full credit for that. He he architected the. The uh, current current structure it has served us well for well over a decade, and I'm confident it, w- it will serve us well into the, into the future. And all, all that credit has to go to John. And in a time, uh, John Reed, when uh, it's been a challenging time for newspapers across the country. Really, you know, really it it, it has. And you know, John um, w- was here. You know, when owning a newspaper was you know in essence a license to print money. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And uh, he w- he was here through the the best of times in this in this business, but he was also here through some of the worst times in this in this business. You know, everybody in in the fourth quarter of, of two thousand and eight felt the sting of the mortgage crisis, the subsequent the the subsequent downturn in the economy, and it got you know business was tough everywhere. the The media sector got hit hard mm-hmm. and we never fully fully got back to where we were mm-hmm. but John's leadership shepherded us through that kept kept the company strong we're st- we are still still here today and we'll still be here tomorrow and and in the future as as a result of of a lot of his efforts. We're looking back on the life of uh, John Foreman who passed away unexpectedly at the age of 65 over the weekend. He was down in St. Louis at a fountain pen convention. We'll talk more about that as we uh, go along but uh, again 65 years old. Jim Dye you worked with John I mean how many when did when did you start working (laughs) with John Foreman? You you know I still remember John uh uh, walking in the newsroom on uh, Saturday afternoons to do a late to do the night shift on Saturdays when he was working part time weekends, and he had another and he had another job, uh, another full time job. You know, he had some actually kind of kind of unusual jobs that he could tell you he could tell you stories about him. I think he sold dishes door to door, which has got to be a tough way to <laughs> make a living. <laughs> and I think he sold cars for a while. You know, John's uh, John was kind of a uh, he didn't get himself directed very well until I think maybe he came to the U of I and then he left the U of I and got married and occupied himself in the real world and then finished his degree at the U of I and and got into journalism. And that's when he, I mean, I think he was born to be a journalist and or work in newspapers. He was a an excellent reporter and uh, he was also a terrific uh, editor of copy. I mean, I always appreciated it when he would review my stuff because he always made it better. And uh, he just was a just was an outstanding person in so many different respects. And one thing I want to talk about, uh, yes. especially, mm-hmm. uh, John was talking about the tough times of newspapers, and and there's no question that uh, you know when the recession hit everybody else, the depression hit the newspapers, <laughs> and a lot of newspapers uh, have decided that the way that they're going to survive is basically to eviscerate their their staff, and as a consequence, eviscerate the quality of the newspaper. Uh, thereby, in my view, giving readers really no reason to want to buy the newspaper. I mean, I think that's kind of almost uh, self-destructive destructive on their parts. John always took the viewpoint that we have to do everything we can, even with limited resources, to make this newspaper uh, as good and as attractive to readers as it can possibly be. That 
if you shortchange readers, they're going to they're going to understand it, and you know, therefore, any interest they have in reading is going to disappear. So John gets a lot of credit for maintaining the News Gazette as a viable and important news source for our readership. Yeah, and for a community this size, award-winning. I mean, you go to communities. I, I travel around to the Big Ten to other schools. I know you guys travel a lot. I mean, you're not going to find a better looking the presentation, the content than you're going to find in a community this size in, in the News Gazette, I don't think. Ann Arbor doesn't have a daily newspaper anymore. They have, I think they have online stuff, but mm-hmm. their newspaper disappeared. And uh, that is a that is a seismic shift in a community when you have a newspaper, the thing that's delivered to your door, you pick up every morning and you read, uh, when it's not there anymore. Yeah. Well, we're talking with uh, Jim Dye, John Reed. Mike Hale will join us here in a moment. Later in the next half hour, we'll have uh, Tom Kasich, Mary Schenk, and Jim Rosso talk about uh, John Foreman, 3569397. You can text us, Castle Heating and Cooling, text line 3515357, or email us, talk at wdws.com. Uh, when you're working in the trenches, you're writing columns, writing articles, I know when, when I hear someone like Lauren Tate, who's written how many columns? Yeah. Zillions of them. And the At way he writes, yeah, and, and the way you write, and when you guys, I know, look up to someone like John for the way they write, that tells me a lot right there, how much respect you had for him as a writer and as a journalist. Well, you know, my respect for John was uh, across the board. He was a great journalist. He was a great person. He was a, he was a man of superlatives. At the same time, he was a, he was a very, um, you know, he wasn't one of those guys who was try- constantly trying to get credit. He was happy to see other people in the newspaper recognized and he never really had much interest in kind of promoting himself he just wanted to make sure the newspaper was the best it could be and of course that meant doing the best it could for the community both in terms of writing stories some people might not want to see uh, in the paper and uh, and stories that everybody is happy to have in the paper well that's the thing with our the community our size everybody kind of knows everybody and when you're in the business we're in and you've written, you've, sometimes you, you socialize with people that you have to write about sure. or you have to partner with, and it can be tough. It can be. I mean, know? there's no question that uh, the news business, I mean, you can make friends and you can make enemies, and sometimes your friends can be your enemies, <laughs> for, at least for a while, maybe permanently, but, yeah, yeah, it's the nature of the business. Yeah. I think it was uh, may have been you or somebody said about um, uh, when he won Employee of the Year about uh, Relentless, uh, solid journalism, but good community relations at the same time. Understanding the balance, I guess, between those two. Well, the newspaper has an in- has an interest in helping move things along in a positive way, and I think John recognized that. Mm-hmm. We're with Jim Dye and uh, John Reed, and Mike Hale's going to join us. I think Zoe's going to jump in here with us real quick. Hi, Zoe. How are you? Hi, Brian. I just really wanted to compliment um, what. John Foreman did with the paper and the, how how the News Gazette's been, I call it revived, because at one point I remember a long time ago, I thought, oh, it looks like it's just going down to nothing. And I love the paper, what's been done with it. And I just wanted to say, you know, I just want to commend all of you and thank you. Mm-hmm. Okay. Great. Thank you, Zoe. Thank, thank you. you. Appreciate the phone call. Uh, Mike Hale is with us here as well, of course, on the radio side, general manager of our three radio stations, WDWS, Light Rock 97.5 WHMS, and Classic Hits 107.9 WKIO. And, Mike, I know uh, you were working for a different company. You came here about the same time I did, about 18 years ago. 
Uh, and you, your first uh, interview with John Foreman was pretty interesting. I right? had uh, every conversation that I had with John Foreman, I learned something. And he and I, Stevie J, had brought me over here to meet John. Now, I had not been on a job interview for like 26 years, so I was scared to death. And I'd only seen John Foreman shaking hands with him a couple of times and in passing. And when I got done with this two-and-a-half-hour interview, he changed the way I looked at interviews. I've never interviewed anybody like I used to, thanks to John Foreman, because, I mean, he just he had a great way of asking the important questions and getting the best answers. And uh, he's he just extraordinary. I was so blessed. And I, I want to echo what uh, John and Jim talked about, about uh, balancing the needs of a P&L versus balancing the needs of content both today and into the future. And having a vision to look at um, what we do today and what effect that has a year from now, two years from now on the content. And John set the tone that uh, has continued through uh, John Reed's uh, opportunity to be the CEO and publisher. And the uh, radio side of things, radio and newspaper are different entities, but with the emergence of the digital age and online. I know John was instrumental in kind of seeing that and realizing that the newspaper industry, radio, digital, all had to kind of change the way they were doing things, I guess. You know, he was, I, I, he was, I, I really enjoyed having conversations with him about radio because he would be my ears. He would hear stuff and he would send me a text or he'd send me an email or he would call me and say, have you heard what is going on right now? And uh, but he was so subtle in how he asked those questions. Yeah, but even even after he retired, oh. he didn't he didn't stop being that sounding board, oh, did no. he? <laughs> Absolutely not. And I got to tell you, one of the coolest things that I got to do with John is when we took over Classic Hits 107.9. Is I asked John because he has such a great love. Of music, he and I talked about rock and roll, probably more than we should have. And John was a guy who, who really thought, although I kind of convinced him otherwise a little bit, that there's been no good music released since 1970. <laughs> and so I asked him if he would be willing to be a fill-in-air personality on Classic Hits 107.9, and. You know, he was always worried about how I'm executing it. I said, I don't care how you execute it. Just continue to tell the great stories. And uh, he was terrific. Well, you that. know, John, in his part of his misspent use was, was in a rock band, you know. Yes, the Love Explosion. Oh, I thought they were the Velvet Nails. With, uh, well, that <laughs> and I, evolved and into I, the Velvet Nails. And I thought it was the Velvet Hammer, so it shows you what I know. And then it morphed into the blues progression in fact a friend of mine uh randy west who went to school with john um said that john and he was in the group with john said that when john was on stage playing guitar 
if you were to look at him back in those, you would think you were looking at Michael J. Fox from Back to the Future because John Foreman would get on his knees <laughs> with the guitar, leaning back and wailing like there was no tomorrow. Unbelievable. We're, we're looking back on the life of John Foreman. We'll have some more guests, Mary Schenk, uh, Tom Casey, Jim Rosso in the second half hour. Uh, we're at 927, so a couple of minutes left in this segment. I don't know about you guys. I, I've got in my desk a, a stack of handwritten notes with a fountain yeah. pen from mm-hmm. John Foreman. He, he kept that art, that personal touch. I mean, every anniversary of every year that I was here, you know, congratulations on year 16, on year whatever it was. I mean, do you get those notes? Too? Yeah, yeah, I've got a handful of them in my desk as well. I, you know, I haven't, I wasn't here, you know, long enough to get forty of them or anything. Yeah. But um, yeah, and, and you know, that was just that was just his his style. He always had that, you know. He, I mean, he was he, he was he was a tough boss in a lot of respects. Um, you know, even after I I took over for him, and you know, he I never did quit quit working for him because he was still on the board of directors. Um, but you know, he could. He could be tough, but then he always took time to acknowledge the good things you did, and often it was done by hand, in ink, with a fountain pen. And that, and that personal touch always meant so much to people. You know, in this day and age where we all just send a text message or an email, uh, John John always always took the time to slow down and do it right. As cool. recent as last week, he jotted a note to Carol Varell congratulating her on her cold case, mm-hmm. and he said, Gave it, put it in my stack, and said, "Please give this to Carol." Mm-hmm. Yep. Before I let you guys go, I'll start with Jim Dye. The thing that when you think of John Foreman that makes you chuckle, makes you laugh. Thing you remember? I just think of John as just a really great friend and uh, a funny guy, tremendous sense of humor, really decent guy, thoughtful, kind, uh, dog lover par excellence. Uh, just a wonderful guy who you know really be missed. Mm-hmm. I wish I had just one, and I, we're running low on time. But um, you know, the guy, even even with the health challenges that he faced this year, um, treme- you know, echoing what Jim said, tremendous sense of of humor. He just never let his foot off the gas. And he would he he could take the the toughest editorial board meeting where you're you know debating on a particularly heavy topic and inject that levity and, and, and humor into it um, to keep every, you know, keep the mood light. He was, he was very good at that. I was telling the story this morning. I have, of all the things that he's written since I've been here, I've got one piece that he wrote in the paper that I pull out a couple of times a year, and every time I read it, I get a tear in my eye. Uh, it was when Rob went to college. And he wrote a story from the perspective of his dog and him with Rob going to college. And this was just before our kids started heading towards college. And I look at that. I, I, it, it, oh, the most yeah. poignant uh, note of that was when the dog jumped in the car trunk to go along with him. Yeah. <laughs> the dog Sadie. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Well, uh, Jim Dye, Mike Hale, John Reed, thank you for being on with us. We have any word on funeral arrangements yet? Are they, have we, uh, we, heard we anything yet? Yeah, we don't don't have anything official. It's gonna be it's gonna be later this week. Uh, I expect that that uh, there'll be an obituary in tomorrow's paper yeah. that'll have all the details. Well, gentlemen, it's great working with you. I know we're all gonna miss uh, John in our own way, different way, and uh, he had a huge impact on all of us. So we uh, thank you for sharing those memories, and uh, we'll talk some more with some more. Uh, Coming up here with uh, Mary Shank and Jim Rosso and Tom Kasich. 
But first, the news with Michael Kaiser, but we'll take a quick break after this. A Penny for Your Thoughts with Brian Barnhart continues on News Talk 1400 WDWS. You can reach out to us on the phone at 217-356-9397. Email talk at WDWS.com or text on the Castle Heating and Cooling text line 217-351-5357. Back on Penny for Your Thoughts on this Monday, July the 2nd as we head for the 4th of July coming up in a couple of days. Had a busy weekend over the weekend. Lots of things to talk about. We'll talk about that in hour number two. And take your phone calls, emails, and texts, 356-9397. You can text us, Castle Heating and Cooling, text line 351-5357, or email us, talk at wdws.com. We just visited with uh, John Reed. We visited with Jim Dye and Mike Hale. We have three more guests in our studio, and I hope you'll indulge us here. We're just uh, spending an hour kind of reminiscing about the life of our uh, colleague uh, who passed away, John Foreman, who was our leader. He was the... Uh, managing editor in 1985, worked his way up from part-time reporter, night to city editor, editor-in-chief in 1986, publisher in 2003, editor emeritus in 2017, and uh, one of the hardest working men we know in this business. Uh, several honors uh, he received. He was president of the Illinois Press Association, Illinois Associated Press editors, passed away over the weekend unexpectedly at the age of 65. He had had some health issues earlier this year was recovering from that but we just all saw him in the building here three or four days ago he was uh, at a, attending an editorial board meeting and uh, then went down to a fountain pen uh, convention in st louis and and passed away there so funeral arrangements are pending and we brought in uh, three more folks who worked with john in different capacities for many many years became good friends with him but uh, colleagues as well uh, mary shank is here we've got tom Kasich, and we've got jim rosso and, uh, Jim, let me start with you. Uh, your thoughts, I know you got the word, what, on Saturday morning and tried to pass that on to what Stephen Lauren is where I first heard. Right, like our, the first group uh, this morning at 9, uh, you know, it hit us all hard, right, uh, in the newsroom and probably did what uh, John would have wanted us to do, and that's a thorough story right off the bat, and uh, get it uh, for your Sunday readership, which uh, there's so many readers out there that still – uh, still follow John, still know of John, grew up reading about him, grew up getting mad at him, <laughs> grew up, uh, like most of us in this room, the, uh, whole, uh, the whole, uh, everything he did drew emotions, right? From our readers. Right. What was it like working for him in your job? Uh, you were in sports and you know what? He, he gave me a, a blank page and said, go do it. And uh, unlike Tom and Mary, uh, he he worked from afar with the, the sports. But whenever we needed something, Brian, he he gave it to us. Like Jim Dye said last hour, uh, last half hour, the the eight, the two thousand seven Rose Bowl. It's a great example. We published a paper in Los Angeles. <laughs> All right, not just here in Champaign. I remember seeing that. We did eight days of news gazettes that were printed in Los Angeles and distributed to alumni hotels it's unheard of cost us a fortune i don't know if we made any money in it but i know the fans of illinois football that were in los angeles for the rose bowl were just stunned and and it's because john said do it right we're going to get to some uh, fun memories here in a little bit we were pretty serious in that first half hour but uh, mary uh, you were hired by john foreman that's right i um 
many people are have been around long enough to know that I came from WDWS radio and John was willing to take a chance on me in the early 80s and I remember my grueling job interview for which I believe Tom Kasich and Jim Dye said oh you ought to apply for this job as a general assignment reporter and John it was a long interview and I just remember saying look I already know where University Avenue and Springfield Avenue are and I sit through all the same meetings that your reporters do and I take all the same notes I just write it differently and I left there and I they even made me do a little quiz on how to figure a property tax rate which put me in abject fear because I don't do math I'm a journalist but I did it and I left there and I thought well, hell I don't care if I work for this place it was just it was like the longest thing and then he he took a chance on me and um, he was absolutely the best fun teacher uh, good teacher mm -hmm. my writing wasn't good it was long it was clumsy he was so patient and always made it better but I do have one fun, very yes, fun story. Ahead. Okay. So because I came from the radio station, I, we had rather uh, a more intimate group down there. And Mrs. Kinnigo, our owner, knew us more personally at the radio station. She'd come and have lunch. So I hadn't been here but about six weeks working. And I did a little feature on Candlestick Lane over in Urbana. And I remember John Foreman answering the phone at the city desk. He was my city editor. And nothing shook that man unflappable and all of a sudden I saw him look up at me um, across the room our desks were directly across from each other and his eyes got wide and he pointed right at me as he was holding the phone and he put his hand over the receiver and said it's Mrs. Kinnigo and I was like okay and he was scared to death that I had done something really wrong and he transfers the phone to me and I begin this <laughs> happy little chit-chat oh well thank you thank you and she was calling to compliment me on this really fluffy little story <laughs> and I just remember seeing him almost shaking because in those days she she could be rather eccentric one day she could be very happy and another day maybe not so happy and mm -hmm. and John always always shielded us from mm -hmm. any Absolutely. controversy Mm -hmm. He Tom, took so yep. many bullets for us, Yeah, mm. from her and from others at the newspaper, others who are no longer here, other publishers and execs who gave him a, a raft of it for stuff we may have written or people we may have offended. Mm -hmm. And he took those bullets, and we never heard about him. Mm. He just said, do your job. Yeah. You know. It, it's, right. It's when, when Mrs. Kinnigo died, I wrote the obit. And I'm I'm saying, okay, John, are we going to mention, do you want everything in here? And he goes, this is news. This is her story. This is her history. You put everything in there. So I had all the stuff about five marriages and, you know, the, the times the newspaper almost failed, not necessarily from her, but other ownership. And so, mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, he, he was a good, honest journalist. We're rem reminiscing today about the life of John Foreman, who passed away at the age of 65. We'll have obituary details here coming up, I would think, in the next day or so. Uh, coming up, 944, 77 degrees. Jim Ross is with us, Tom Kasich, and Mary Shank. Tom, let me ask you, uh, I know you were quoted in the article on Saturday about uh, John's role, in, about the First Amendment, and about you know being responsible journalist in Champaign County and what he stood for in that regard. He, um, you know, he was... He was a good guy to the community. He would, 
I, I talked to some people people at church yesterday who you know th- their organizations needed something something so they'd come here and he would put in free ads or he'd publish you know make sure that the community was served but he also was a journalist and he he believed in the first amendment and he pushed his reporters to to get the full story to get all the details oh my god on friday nights they were legend Ugh. if he, he was a city editor yeah. you would come in you he would be here till 11 o'clock editing the copy for the Sunday paper, the big stories for the... Right. And you, he had the patience of whoever the most patient person in the history of the world was. Right. He would, he would just go over line by line or how to fix a, a lead, make it better, or, you know, check a double-check a quote. He was... Right. You did If you fantastic. had Friday night plans and a Sunday story, yes. you might as well just forget it's it. It's gone. No matter how <laughs> early you got your Sunday story in, he... he probably didn't get to it until mid to late afternoon and inevitably it needed write rewrite 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 and you yeah. were just like crying at the end yeah. but always happy with the final product right jim rosso you uh, became editor uh, editor of news now but uh, what did you learn from him what did he teach you what did that you kind of use today i guess uh, the, the, the innovation aspect i would say brian uh, it intrigued john he's an old school guy right who would share a, maybe a shot of whiskey with you or have a smoke <laughs> with you but when it came to this industry moving forward he did not hesitate in giving us the green light the the greatest thing is john dixon our photo editor four or five years ago bought a drone right and oh, yes <laughs> you love and if you look at some of our coverage now online and even in print we use the drone and it was like a fountain pen for foreman <laughs> right he was intrigued yeah. by this drone he said dang, Dixon, go fly this thing wherever and whenever. You know, there's rules. You can't just fly it, right, over downtown. But I don't think John would have minded if we tried to fly it over downtown. All oh, right. And, yeah, uh, push it. Yeah. <laughs> he was intrigued by videos, uh, you know, the whole aspect of where we're going with this business. Now, it didn't, it didn't necessarily please him, but he was certainly intrigued and never held back in, in funding it again and pushing us forward. I, I do recall when he elevated Jim to whatever your title is now. I just say boss. Sure, I like that. And it's been, what, four years? Five? Four? four years. He, Foreman says, he's going to make you work harder than you ever have. And I thought, oh, that couldn't possibly be. <laughs> be possible because we all work very hard. And then I'm like, he just sat back and laughed as Rosso has made us run in circles, you know. But um, Jerf was such a great guy. And Forgive me for using the our little nickname. Um, I'm old enough that we signed on to cathode ray tubes back in the day, but we signed on by our initials, and he was JRF. And, you know, m- notes came from JRF, and that morphed into JERF. So you'd hear people in the newsroom, hey, JERF, you know. and It wasn't disrespectful. It was just his name. Yeah. <laughs> when uh, I started here in 75, he started two years later, and... We were on the state desk together, and that was we were the we were the state desk, except for all the correspondents in Villa Grove and Tuscola, and they were generally elderly ladies who would go to the city council meetings and write as well as they could, but leave all sorts of stuff out. So Foreman, you know, I was often going out finding stuff, you know, doing fun stuff. He did all the grunt work. He would, you know, if. If there was, if the mayor was quoted in this story, he would call the mayor and make sure that this was accurate, or try to get a little more information. He, I'm telling you, he was so thorough and so patient and so 
uh, just a perfectionist in in journalism. He was. I one of my uh, earliest mistakes came with the gross misspelling of Cal Harhues, who was the postmaster, <laughs> and I I thought I said, well, John, I thought I knew how to spell it, and it was like. And I think I might have made some flip remark of, isn't that why you're paid the big bucks? I mean, what was I thinking? Oh, I was, and <laughs> I got a handwritten note then, uh, not the kind I long for, running to the mailbox looking for his praise notes, but one that said, you know, you and you alone are responsible for what goes in this paper. And those were the days when we had the luxury of about three more sets of eyes on our copy uh-huh. before yeah. it made print. Yeah. I have never made that mistake again. Not intentionally, not the I thought I knew. It was like, so I will ask Mr. Smith, is that Smith with an I? And, mm-hmm. and, and you know, there are just some lessons that are hard learned, and that mm-hmm. was one of them for me. <laughs> Mary, you've got some uh, handwritten cards. Oh, we, we all got yes, these. Yes, I know. You well, know. It, um, I was fortunate enough earlier this year to break the testosterone barrier when it came to getting the President's <laughs> Award here at the paper. I'm sitting with two of my uh, colleagues who got this award in the past, and uh, John sent me a note because he wasn't able to be at the party. And just part of it says, here's a little secret. Editors take pride in the accomplishments of those they hire, almost like parents take pride in their kids. It's not that we really deserve any credit. It's just that getting, quote, the good one is so darn hard. I knew we had one of the good ones with you, and then I'll quit reading because it makes me clutchy. (laughs) But, you know. Yeah, and now... You were one of the first women that he hired. I mean, because we're I women. Maybe one of the last is what okay. I started to say. Uh, uh, most of the women around here were on. Uh, uh, well, all the ones that John would have hired are long gone. Mm-hmm. Um, the late Becky Mabry was probably his pet. He loved Becky. She was uh, features editor. She did a little bit of everything. Like Tom and I, we all kind of started on the state desk. And, boy, you learn to cut your teeth there, making Mm -hmm. phone calls to the village clerk. Anything happen? And then to get, you know, no, into a story. But um, I I think I'm just the last woman standing in the newsroom who was hired and worked directly for John as city editor. Mm -hmm. We're here with Mary Schenk and Tom Kasich and Jim Rosso, just remembering the life of John Foreman. Got a uh, caller here. Bill May is on the line. Bill. How are you all? I, I just want to mention a column that he wrote that I at one time saw him out, and I told him it was my favorite column he ever wrote. It was back in February 19th of 2012. It's called The Only Flaw Dogs Have Is They Don't Live Forever. And he told me how many comments he had received about that, just writing about the dog. Their big black dog had died. And yeah. it was just a great article. If you ever get a chance, go back and read it. It's just tremendous. Uh, what, what Jim Dye didn't mention, he said dog lover. But Foreman was a foster parent to Dye's uh, ill-mannered dog for months while before Jim and his wife moved into their home. They lived in an apartment, and they weren't allowed to have pets. And John (laughs) fostered the dog. Jim would take it on weekends, feed it bad stuff like ribs, and then take the dog back to John, who would have to deal with, shall we say, the gastrointestinal consequences of (laughs) Jim's doting on little Sam. But, I mean, is there any greater love for a friend than to take in their dog? (laughs) No, but if you get a chance, go back and read that. It's a great, great, in fact, I just read it again today. I've kept it all this time and went back and read it. How's retirement treating you, Billy? (laughs) 
best thing ever. Yeah. <laughs> Great. I miss the people. I miss the people, but uh, that's it. I mean, it, we it miss time. you. They're probably ready for me to leave too. So nah. Yeah. All right. Yeah, hey, thanks, I Bill. Enjoy the show, Brian. I enjoy the show. You're doing a great job. Thank you, sir. I appreciate that. All right. See you later. Let me ask you, uh, Jim Rosso, about uh, trying to get John to write more. I mean, whenever he, <laughs> you know, whenever he wrote a column, it was almost like E. F. Hutton. Whenever he wrote a column, you wanted to read it, right? You wanted. To I thought you were going to say it was long. Well, <laughs> whenever he wrote a column, <laughs> it, he it was long, and one of those he had the ability to keep the reader even despite yeah. length of column because he knew how to write and did it so well. The joke here is he probably wasn't great on deadline, right? Uh, those Sunday columns that were so great, and it took a long it took a long time, and. Uh, but still, uh, the reader stuck with him. The Black Dog column, I still hear about that mm-hmm. when I go out, right? That's the one. And maybe we should run that again this that would, week in the News Gazette. I think he wrote uh, about I'm his the, dogs a lot, didn't yes. he? Yes. Yeah. Well, all you have to do is write about a dog around here, and yeah. people will buy extra yeah. copies. <laughs> and, yeah. and a lot of people didn't know about the whole fountain pen thing, the cold connection with yeah. those. Uh, yeah. I mean,. He was I don't even those, know right? when he picked that up. I don't think that was lifelong, was it? I mean, he wrote with fa- fountain pens, but he never, mm. yeah, he never traded them or went to conventions until recently. <laughs> so, I mean, I just remember as a big football and baseball fan. Yeah, or maybe basketball. But he's a good. He was a good Cubs fan. I'll say that we've gone, we went to Cubs <laughs> games t- together. So any other? You got Poor a sheet guy. there, Tom? Any other memories you want to do? Oh, uh, you know, you I, know. I wanted my favorite Foreman story. Really, isn't about him, but is about his father. Uh, I just thought this was such a wonderful story. When he was a kid, there was a minister down the street. Their minister lived down the street, and he liked to drink beer. But if you in a small town in Hammond, you could the minister could not go to the store and buy beer. So John's father would give John a, uh, a casserole dish to carry down to the minister's house. And John always thought he was bringing down, you know, some <laughs> ham and beans or something. And one day he po- he. He peeked inside, and it was four cans of beer for the minister. I thought, Aww. and that—that's kind of the way Foreman was. He was, you know, he—he he would be this gruff guy. You thought he would kick your butt, but he had a heart of gold too. He was a softy as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when you first, uh, when I first met him, he was almost—you could be intimidating. Oh yeah. I mean, it was like yeah. he's a big I better dude. say the right thing here. But you know? he never, never blew his cool. I never saw the man blow up, uh, and I can only remember one time where we really really did a stop the presses moment when we were down the street and the press was downstairs and something was wrong. Um, I loved being in a crisis with him because he one day there was an explosion at Humco. I don't even remember when this was, late 80s, early 80s, and he just pointed, you call the U of I chemistry lab, you call the police, yeah. you call them. He just knew what to do. I don't, I, I don't know that he'd be as much fun now like – you know, Rossow hears bank robbery on the scanner, and he wanted it ten minutes ago. So he, he goes to the he goes to the younger, faster reporters. Ben, you write this up. <laughs> but no, John, I want to do it. Yeah. Never mind the punctuation. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, well, as as we said, I mean, it's uh, and I asked this uh, of the earlier group. Just give me. Uh, I'll start with you, Jim. What you think of the most when you think of John? A funny. Funny thought, something that makes you chuckle, uh, makes you think How about a bit? he was a competitive cuss. You mm-hmm. know, that's yeah. what I like most of them. You know, one of the last texts Jeff D'Alessio, our current editor, got last week was just 
way to show the trib and sometimes how to do it because Jeff was awarded this Innovator of the mm-hmm. Year award. And I can I can remember seeing John at these state conventions. We have this big trophy that we've got for Paper of the Year. Yay. He loved it. He'd he'd go up and grab that thing and hug it, and you know it meant so much to him to know that what we were doing was better than what other people were doing. And that uh, and there's nothing better than the competitor in my mind. And uh, John was as good as one as I can remember. Mm-hmm. Tom, oh, uh, just you know, just, <clears throat> you we could never be foreman. Uh, you know, after he was city editor, he was promoted from city editor. I became the city editor, and there's. It's like a no win. You cannot be foreman because I just didn't have the stamina to be there till eleven o'clock. Oh, every you Friday did night. too. Well, not he was a great <laughs> boss too, a city editor. No, but but it was, I mean, what, it it was definitely not the same. And you so, were too nice in your editing. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> Mary, wanna, don't you want to say it this way? Yeah. Uh, he, you know, he was just he was just so good and so thorough and such a good journalist. Mm-hmm. And, it's, and we won't have him. My last thought was. Uh, Years ago, we used to do a feed bag the day before Thanksgiving where we'd all bring in a dish to share, and Dixon frequently cooked the turkey. And uh, my husband and I remember the, my, our favorite John Foreman line as well. I see no reason not to overindulge. <laughs> it's like, well, maybe. Well, <laughs> and uh, Lauren Tate was quoted on uh, Saturday in the paper. He said, John Foreman was a giant in our business, not only because of the brilliant, incisive column that he wrote, but because of his ability to lead the News Gazette through sometimes choppy waters in his year as yeah. publisher. He was particularly instructive on local issues, but those of the newspaper recognized him as trustworthy in making critical decisions for the benefit of all. And uh, Lauren Tate went on to say, for me, he was a close friend who repeatedly gave me excellent advice. I respected John Foreman as much as any man in the community, and that's, uh, that's a great tribute. The, the legacy of the, the folks you see across the table here, mm-hmm. that uh, Tom and Mary and Jim Dye and Lauren Tate are still here <laughs> 40 years later and still doing great stuff uh, because of their involvement and in the was, urging. You know, Foreman was really a lot like Stevick, the guy that founded the News mm-hmm. Gazette. Mm-hmm. Stevick would have these great ideas, and, you know, they – they didn't work. I mean, he once <laughs> flew air, flew the newspaper, the news, Champagne News Gazette, to, to, to Tuscola. Okay. <laughs> How much did you gain with that? But it was like, just try it. Just see try if it, it works. I like that idea. <laughs> yeah. You know, they'd fly it down yeah. there and, and you know, quickly ride up back in the sky and take some more to Monticello or someplace. And, and yeah. I would yeah. remind people, too, remember that John was the spokesperson for the Lewis family while... Paul Lewis oh, of yeah. Homer was a yeah. hostage yeah. in Iran mm-hmm. for 444 yeah. days in mm-hmm. 1980. You know. He was covering the story it and was, serving as friend, a spokesman. Yeah. It, it yeah. was a national story yeah. So, yeah. and well, handled that with aplomb. He was just a kid. Well, Mary, Tom, Jim, we're out of time. But uh, thank you for the memories here. Yes. Great to work with you. And I know you've got great memories of John. And uh, we'll remember all of those for the rest of our lives. And uh, look forward to uh, carrying on what, uh, what the goals and the mission he set out here That's at right. the News Gazette. So. Thanks for letting us share. You're yeah. welcome. All right. That's Mary Shank. And we've got Jim Rosso and Tom Kasich. Thanks to our previous guests as well. And we've got the news coming up at 10. This is WDWS Champaign-Urbana. It's the second hour of A Penny for Your Thoughts with Brian Barnhart on News Talk 1400 WDWS. You can reach out to us on the phone at 217-356-9397. Email talk at WDWS.com or text on the Castle Heating and Cooling text line 
351-5357. Now, here's Brian Barnhart. Back on Penny for Your Thoughts, hour number two. Thanks to all of our guests from uh, John Reed to Mike Hale, Jim Dye, Tom Kasich, Mary Schenk, and Jim Rosso. These are all uh, folks that do great work here, heavyweights in our business here uh, locally, worked for many, many years with uh, John Foreman, our colleague, a former publisher, and worked his way up from uh, part-time reporter and eventually became the leader and really the um, spirit of the News Gazette. So I, I hope you were able to enjoy that, kind of gather uh, how we all feel about him and his passing at age 65. And uh, again, all the best to uh, his wife, Sharon, and their family uh, on this great loss. So we certainly wish them the best. Three five six nine three nine seven is the phone number. We'll open up the phone lines here for hour number two, and let's go to the phones. And I think Lee Kabuti's on the line. Lee, how are you? Uh, Brian, can you still say something about John Foreman? Absolutely. First of all, that first hour was tremendous. The six experts who worked with John Foreman did a wonderful job. And I want to say something about Paul Wood who wrote the article in Sunday's paper about John Foreman, more like an obituary. He did a mm. tremendous job. But anyway, you know, in my job at Champaign High for 30 years, I ran into a lot of great reporters, and a lot of them were cub reporters who went on to do great work. I remember Bill Lyons, sports editor of the Philadelphia Inquirer, started out as a cub reporter, Fred Croner, even Lord Tate started out covering high school teams. But anyway, when I retired, I think maybe I had met John Foreman one time. But the greatest article written about me, I still have it, was written by John Foreman. And I had no idea the guy even knew me. But uh, So anyway, I, I keep that article and... When I feel kind of down, I read it. <laughs> I That's bet. That's all I got to say. Hey, by the way, you're doing a great job. You know, and well, I forget who started out that penny for your thoughts. What was his name? Well, Larry Stewart was before Larry Jim. Larry Stewart's yeah. one I remember mm-hmm. when I first came to oh, town. Absolutely. I remember his key words at the end of a game was, collect the songbooks. <laughs> the game is over. I, and then I didn't think he could be replaced. And Jim Turbin came along and did a great job. How could he be replaced? And he's been replaced very well. Well, th- th- Thanks a lot. You're very kind. Thank you, Lee. You bet. Good memories of uh, John Foreman. Lee Kabuti, well-known in our uh, community. 356-9397 is the phone number. You can text us, Castle Heating and Cooling, text line 3515357, or email us, talk at wdws.com. Hey, quick question. If you've ever needed collision repairs, the place to go is your... Friends at Gallo Miller Paint and Collision Repair, full-service collision repair facility. They are located there between the Neal and Prospect exits there on the south side of I-74. Hard to miss if you're driving, what, eastbound? Just look to your right. You'll see it over there. Look to your left if you're going the other way across the road. Free estimates are always offered. They know what a hassle it can be to have your car repaired. Look, nobody wants to be doing that, right? That's a headache. How am I going to get around? What am I going to do? Oh, great, i got to drive my daughter's car now that doesn't run very well. <laughs> All those sorts of things. But, no, just take it to uh, Gallo Miller Paint and Collision Repair, and they'll get you the free estimate. They'll deal with all the insurance adjusters and all the phone calls you got to make and all the 800 numbers you need to call. They'll, they'll do all that. Just give them the keys. They'll get you back to a spick and span with your vehicle, get it back to where it needs to be. They've done this a long, long time, 18 years in the business, 
A lot of vehicles, 23,000 plus and counting. They hope that uh, you do not need their service, but if you do, gallomiller.com. And again, uh, the conveniently located centrally in Champaign-Urbana, south side of I-74 between the Neal and uh, Prospect exits. Very easy to find. Let's go back to the phones here to Cindy. Good morning, Cindy. Hi. Um, just wanted to put in my two cents. One of the best moments, um, I back in the day, 2008, I was uh, pretty much the only parent to... Um, contested just really the process in the unit four school district of the kite runner of how it was picked and how we just got a letter that said you read it for your um sophomore uh, uh advanced reading summer class mm-hmm. and of course that started a huge controversy and one of the best moments that the it ended up the board after meetings and meetings the board sided with me um to remove it for the time being until they got things figured out. And uh, John Foreman editorial in uh, that he backed me up, that it was a, that it was um, a legitimate parent concern. And then he rewrote one when it came back, when the book came back on the list um, in December of 2008. And it was just, so awesome to have somebody who's so important and so, um, you know, well-read in the community and so forth that they, that he said, uh, uh, I'm trying to look at his thing. Uh, the complaint was initiated by an honestly concerned parent who followed the school district's written policy. And he just validated that, you know, I wasn't a book burner. (laughs) I was just saying, (laughs) Hey, this wasn't done right, you know. Right. So that was like that was big stuff stuff for me as a as a concerned parent. Well, I think the thing that an important person. Yeah, and I I think the thing, Cindy, as you know, that when he when he wrote, he just wrote so incisively and concisely, and he made you think when you read something that he wrote. And to me, I appreciate people that are really good at their craft. Uh, and he was the best exactly. that, that I've run across in, in that particular craft. And nobody supported me. I was really bashed by the li- li- you know, the school library, the school English teachers, and I just had to do for what I stood, felt was the right thing to do mm-hmm. was was answer the ask the questions like, okay, well, what will your child be doing if they pick a different book? Because that was the only policy back then. So it revamped the whole policy of the book. But I was villainized in the process, and his letter just, just like made my day. You know, made hmm. my my year because I had taken so much, um, you know, negativity from people about you know, well, how can you censor our reading? You know, blah 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 blah, and it and it was I just stopped reading the editorials because it was you know hmm. the, the letters to the editor were so ridiculous and not what I was saying. I was mm-hmm. just saying this process is not correct. Mm-hmm. Kids should be able to read whatever they want, mm. and then he his validation was was like just a crowning jewel. <laughs> so I just wanted to throw that out. there. Well, thank you, Cindy. I appreciate that memory right. of of him. Okay, thank, thank you. you. Yep, Cindy, with us uh, again talking about John Foreman. We spent the first hour, and again, thank you for letting us kind of just remember John in in our way with the people that knew him best, all our great writers and columnists and uh, editorial board members and so forth. Uh, back to the phones to Kathy. Good morning, Kathy. Good morning. 
I have a just a request, and maybe the editors at the News Gazette could run some of John's best columns, you know, in the next couple of weeks, so we can all just kind of get a flair for him and what he wrote, and remind us of his his legacy. You know, I think that would be a great idea, and I think Mike Hale mentioned about that. That might be a good thing to do. So, yeah, I, I like that idea. I will pass that along. Okay, thank you. Okay, thank you. Mm-hmm. Bye. Appreciate it, Kathy. Yeah, that would be great, just to kind of honor him by the with some of the great columns that he wrote over the year. He wrote on a lot of different things related to the university, uh, Chief Alinawick, the um, um, issues in the city and the state, the governor, all those different issues, and he just offered a really insightful that made you think every time you read it. You're like, "Wow, I hadn't thought of that," and uh, and I think that's just really an impressive part of what he uh, what he did over the years. Three five six nine three nine seven. We'll take a break here. We've got uh, more to come. We've um, got some uh, little sound from yesterday. If you were not at the Ice Cream and Independence show, we'll play a little bit of that and uh, again you'll be able to hear that show in its entirety it runs about an hour and a half on july 4th in this time segment over at the ice cream and independence show but uh, we'll take a quick break come back with more after this on penny if you've had any roof issues lately the roofing dog swanson roofing the roofing dog proud to have been previously selected as small business of the year by the champaign county chamber of commerce Corey swanson his wife melissa both right here, uh, of course, Corey uh, went to uh, Rantoul High School up in northern Champaign County in the University of Illinois. He's uh, truly a family-owned business, 100% owned and operated by Corey Swanson and his wife, Melissa. The uh, crew or company employees receive full benefits, 401Ks. They've been with the company for many years, and they get all the benefits, 401Ks and full benefits and everything that goes with it. And so they're incentivized to do a great job for Corey and Melissa because they like that, and they want to do a great job for you. Swanson Roofing guarantees the workmanship of their lifetime of the roof, and the materials they use are guaranteed for 50 years. What is that? Out to about 2070, isn't it? Woo, think about that. Swanson Roofing takes responsibility and ownership of every past customer. That's a cornerstone of their business. And Swanson Roofing, they want to let you know this. Even if your roof wasn't done by them before, maybe you've got some problems now and somebody else did the roof, hey, you're welcome to talk. They're happy to help. So uh, get a free estimate. At least let them look at it and go, hey, this is what I think it'll cost you. Hey, you may not need this. Your roof may be a year or two away. You could do it. You don't have to. There are some certain options they'll give you. Swanson Roofing, the roofing dog, providing services in Champaign, Vermilion, Ford, and McLean counties. Get a free estimate, 217-355-ROOF, 355-7663. We've been talking about John Foreman today. We visited with a lot of folks who know him very well. And uh, John Foreman, just to give you a little audio, and this was... Uh, this is a couple of minutes long, so not too long, but just a couple of minutes. Uh, he was on the morning show with Dave and Elizabeth a couple of years ago. This is after the primaries or right near the end of the primaries and also before the convention that summer in 2016. And this is John Foreman talking with Dave and Elizabeth on the morning show. We kind of got it down to a couple of minutes here. But his thoughts on uh, Donald Trump two years ago. Well, yeah, I think uh, I think that there's a there's a real problem for a lot of those people because you know nobody knows exactly what Trump is or isn't, and uh, he's a very unlikely standard bearer for a party because he doesn't have any high profile following, uh, with the exception of Chris Christie. Um, you know, other party leaders are just nowhere to be found. 
uh, in his campaign. So it's not that he represents a wing of the party or a branch of the party. He represents something that isn't the party at all. I mean, it's been discussed all the way through the primaries whether Trump is even a Republican. And, uh, you know, you can make a pretty good case that he isn't. Well, it's hard um, to pin him down on his views because they seem to change on a daily basis. Well, that's you? right. I mean, uh, he doesn't know what his views are, so it's it's gonna you can't fault anybody else for not being able to figure them out. Uh, and he seems to kind of make them up as he goes along. Trump, it, it, it's it's not like they're a set of issues. It's like there's a sentiment, a feeling uh, that people like the the impression he creates. Um, certainly not that they've signed on to. His uh, platform. I, I could only probably name two, maybe three issues where I thought Trump had been f- consistent enough that uh, it even constitutes a platform. I know he wants to build a wall. I, I know that. But Everything else, I'm a little fu- fuzzy on. M- many uh, times, in many places, uh, people have turned to the, you know, to the business community to look for leadership in government. Um, sometimes it works out pretty well. Sometimes it sometimes it doesn't. They are not one and the same. Running the government is not the same as running a business. And and frankly, it's a little bit naive to think so. Those are just some of the uh, thoughts. This was two years ago. This was before Donald Trump was president. Before we got into the summer conventions with the Republicans and the Democrats. Uh, this is when he was struggling to get any kind of Republican support at the leadership level. It's just interesting when you. Th- hear that now two years later uh, here in 2018 but um, anyway those were just some thoughts of John Foreman our colleague and uh, leader and friend here who passed away over the weekend so I just wanted to share that with you here this morning three five six nine three nine seven you can uh, text us on the castle heating and cooling text line three five one five three five seven and you can email us talk at wdws.com Carl Illinois College of Medicine opening its doors today. They've been talking about this and preparing for this. I know a chancellor at the time, Phyllis Wise, was a big part of the getting this going with Carl, uh, Jim Leonard, and the folks over at Carl uh, teaming up. They've been talking and prepping and getting students recruited and everything else. And uh, the doors are opening today for the Carl Illinois College of Medicine. Classes to be headquartered at the newly renovated Everett Lab at Wright and Green Streets, hope to the home to the Department of Bioengineering and the state-of-the-art health engineering simulation lab. College's future home base in the UI Medical Sciences building won't be ready until 2020, other than the uh, newly renovated anatomy lab. For now, U of I administrators are housed in the Illini Union Bookstore building. And students beginning a week-long orientation today. The Dean King Lee and top administrators tours of campus Carl Medical Facilities, and a holiday barbecue. And they'll dive into their studies. So students have been coming into town over the last week. And they talk about uh, the three C, the four C's infused throughout the uh, curriculum of the new Carl Illinois College of Medicine, uh, competence, compassion, curiosity, and creativity. So good luck to those folks as they get started Kind of a historic moment there over at the uh, University of Illinois. And so an article today, we're talking about Supreme Court justice. I guess I saw on a, a scroll here on my big TV uh, that says the president hoping to make an announcement on a Supreme Court justice nominee by July 9th. So that's coming up pretty quick in a week. 
And there's an article uh, today I saw in the Washington Examiner, an opinion piece, about Amy Coney Barrett, who is from Notre Dame, was appointed by uh, Donald Trump to a uh, seat there here recently, and uh, she's one of the names. This is in the Seventh Circuit. And uh, she's 46 years old and a woman and a Catholic. And um, I think she has six, seven kids, I think. So um, said that she could easily serve on the court until 2060. So that was an interesting article, if you want to check that out, in the uh, Washington Examiner today. That's just one of the candidates. There are 25 on a list. That's just one name pulled out of the 25. Who knows which direction he's going to go, and that's uh, they're strategizing on that. I know Republican Senator Susan Collins says uh, over the weekend she would oppose any nominee she believed would overturn the landmark Roe versus Wade decision. Of course, Susan Collins of Maine. The White House focusing on five to seven potential candidates to fill the vacancy of retiring Justice Anthony Kennedy. 1031 here at DWS. Michael Kaiser has news headlines. We'll get to your text, phone calls, and emails here on a Monday as we had our tribute to John Foreman in the first hour, John passing away over the weekend. And we'll get you the funeral details as soon as we get them here at DWS. But uh, Michael Kaiser with the news headlines and then more open line time up until 11 on DWS. A Penny for Your Thoughts with Brian Barnhart continues on News Talk 1400 WDWS. Back on Penny for Your Thoughts. Glad you're with us on this Monday. Three five six nine three nine seven is how you can join us. Sunny today and a high of eighty nine. Hey, it's hot, right? It's early July. Boy, the corn is starting to tassel too. Have you noticed that? That was the fastest growing corn I've seen. I mean, it all—it always seems to happen fast. But it's with all the rain we've had, the corn just shot up from the little seedlings all the way up to where they are now. What six, seven feet high? So uh, and tasseling. So anyway, it looks good out there. Everything's green, just hot. Fourth of July, we'll be marching in the parade. Uh, several of us will. I'll be there on uh, July 4th, 11 a.m. for the Freedom Celebration. So we'll look for you there. I will not be on the air on Wednesday uh, physically here. We've got some special Fourth of July programming. We're going to replay the Ice Cream and Independence event from yesterday. Hopefully if you were there and enjoyed it, hopefully you heard it on the radio. I know a lot of people did. And we'll replay it for you in case you missed it under the direction of Dr. Linda Morehouse, the great uh, group there, the great band. And then, um, of course, Yvonne Redman, who was a big part of the show yesterday. Jim Turpin did a great job with the uh, MC work, the the reading of the uh, copy that he did leading into all the um, different uh, performances. And then I narrated a couple of pieces as well. was very happy to help out with that. So we had a great time yesterday. You can hear the replay of that on Wednesday in this time slot. So I will not physically be here on the 4th of July. We'll be here tomorrow. Jim Dye, I scheduled to be on with me uh, tomorrow anyway. So we'll talk about uh, what he's been writing about, what he's doing. 10 a.m. tomorrow after an open line in the first hour. We'll have the 4th of July programming I mentioned. And then on Thursday, I've got Judge uh, Mike McCuskey making a return. So we're going to during the course of the show on Thursday, and then we've got some other things uh, that begin to percolate and take shape here as we work our way into the month of July. I will tell you later in the month, I think it's the 24th of uh, July, is the Big Ten Media Day up in Chicago. We'll broadcast live from up there. 
near the end of the month. 1037 here at DWS. I don't know if you uh, saw this. Veterans upset about planned Normandy Beach concert for D-Day's 75th anniversary. Some veterans upset about a planned concert next June 6th because it's set to be held on the site of Sword to Beach in Normandy, one of the five beach landing sites where the Allied forces stormed ashore under fire on D-Day. The Netherlands-based organizers of Liberty Concert Normandy are hoping to get 75,000 people to pay nearly $90 to attend the event, which they contend will educate millennials, the younger folks, about World War II and D-Day. Their website describes the plans. It says the concert starts with films, parachutists, and stories about the landing. Stage is then handed to several international top artists and DJs with the slogan, Fight for Freedom. 75,000 people present and millions of viewers via TV and streaming are asked to stand up for peace, freedom, and an inclusive society. Some veterans, though, see holding the concert on the beach as disrespectful. One of them, a 95-year-old Joe Catini, told Sky News overseas, the beaches are on that day of all days sacred. They shouldn't be violated by pop concerts. Have it a bit further inland, not on the beach itself. But the organizers contend that the area of the beach where the concert will be held wasn't part of the battlefield and say the money from ticket sales is only being used to cover costs. And they go on to say, we believe the best way to share the powerful legacy of sacrifice is by bringing young people near to the place where this history happened as it creates an unforgettable moment in their lives. So that story on the uh, wires today as well here on July 2nd. All right, let's take a quick break, Ed. We'll come back and give you a little sample of uh, yesterday over at the Virginia Theater. I think you'll enjoy this. Give you a little preview of what we've got for you on Wednesday. But uh, first, this time out on Penny for Your Thoughts. Ryan Barnhart with you this morning. Penny for your thoughts. 79 degrees, 1042 as we join you here on this Monday. A lot of people are off, I think. Are they uh, traveling? I know just based on Facebook, and Facebook's not the uh, answer to everything, but you do get a pretty good gauge of where people are and what they're doing, and we got people, friends of mine, scattered all over the place here this week, and I guess you could make it a, I mean, if you're going to take a vacation, right, just with 4th of July right in the middle of the week, just do it. I think a lot of people have done that. Three five six nine three nine seven. Text line three five one five three five seven. Phone number is three five six nine three nine seven. I think I got those mixed up. And uh, you can email us talk at wdws dot com if you have any thoughts on John Foreman. We visited with a lot of great folks, writers, columnists who all knew John best. John Foreman, if you uh, joined us late, uh, passed away over the weekend at the age of sixty five. And uh, funeral uh, arrangements are pending. If we get those, we'll let you know. But we had some great commentary from people like Tom Kasich and Jim Dye and Mary Schenk and Mike Hale and uh, Jim Rosso and John Reed. So we appreciate them stopping by in the first hour. Appreciate uh, the extra comments we had towards the top of the hour. If you have any leftover from that, feel free to share those with us. Uh, let's see here. Yesterday was over at the Virginia Theater, which is always a, a great venue. Look, I don't know uh, anything about music. I can't read a note. I never learned to play anything as a kid. My grandfather grandfather tried to teach me to play the piano when he gave up. <laughs> so I can't read a note to save my life. But uh, I do appreciate great music, great work, people that do it extremely well. And uh, just had a great time yesterday over at the Virginia Theater. 
at the uh, Ice Cream and Independence. And again, you'll hear the replay of that coming up on Wednesday. But uh, Yvonne Redman is world class. I mean, she has been around the world. She has sung, you name the singer, she has sung with them and uh, opera singers and was at the Met for many, many years, uh, now on faculty at the University of Illinois. And she was the kind of the featured soloist yesterday. But uh, And Ed and I, we hear a lot of national anthems. Right, Ed? We hear them all the time. Every game, everywhere, you you name it, we've heard. We've heard them with bands. We've heard them with singing groups. We've heard them with violins. We've heard them. We've heard them. I mean, I did minor league baseball for a long time and major league baseball for a while. I've seen it all. But uh, it was just a great rendition of the Star-Spangled Banner yesterday by Yvonne Redman over at the Virginia Theater. I just, I just thought she did a fantastic job. So here it goes, about a minute and a half. Say, can you see by the dawn's early light what so proudly we hailed at the twilight's last gleaming, whose broad stripes and bright stars was uh, yesterday hope you heard it live hope you were there in person and again we'll replay all of that on wednesday as part of our uh, penny program on the 4th of july three five six nine three nine seven you can join us on the phone lines you can text us castle heating and cooling text line three five one five three five seven or email us talk at wdws.com if you have any comments on the issues of the day i know a lot of folks uh, watching the what's happening in washington with the supreme court picks Potentially. We'll see how that goes. Got a text in on the Castle Heating and Cooling text line. It says the media don't know yet that the Democratic Party is collapsing. That text just in on the uh, Castle Heating and Cooling text line. If you have one you'd like to send along, feel free to do that. I found this interesting. What are the most patriotic states in America? <laughs> We'd all like to think we're patriotic, but how do you measure patriotism? Wallet Hub came up with a formula based on 13 key indicators and use them to rank all 50 U.S. states on how patriotic they are. Okay, the 13 indicators are grouped into two key dimensions, military engagement and civil engagement, with 50 points given to each. And I'm not going to, you try, can't keep track of all of that, but here's the military engagement. This is what they use to kind of survey and figure this out. Average military enlistees per 1,000 adults, 
veterans per 1,000 adults, active-duty military personnel per 100,000 adults, and the share of adult civilian population in military reserves. Okay, all of this being used to determine the most patriotic states in America. Civilian engagement, share of adults who voted in the 2016 presidential election, the share of adults who voted in 2016 primary elections, volunteer rate, volunteer hours per resident, AmeriCorps volunteers per capita, Peace Corps volunteers per capita, trial and grand jury participation, frequency of Google searches for American flags, and civics education requirements. Okay, those are the things that they judge the, the states on. Okay, the top five, according to and again, this is all just based on what these criteria were, the most patriotic state was Virginia. Okay, a lot of the founding fathers were from Virginia. Followed by Alaska, Wyoming, South Carolina, and Idaho. Okay, those were the top five based on that criteria. The least patriotic states based on this criteria doesn't reflect any of you, I'm sure, but it's just this is all in this criteria. The five least patriotic states were New York in 46th, Illinois 47th, Rhode Island 48th, New Jersey 49th, and Massachusetts 50th. Don't know what that means. Don't know what you do with that information, but it's there. (laughs) 10.50 here on Penny for Your Thoughts. Hey, summer means pools, picnics, and relaxation. It's also the perfect time for a mid-year financial checkup. If you've fallen behind on your goals, Busey can help you get back on track. Rethink your big goals. Have you been sticking to your budget? Make changes. If you think you can pay more, cut back. Don't overextend yourself. Plan to pay off debt as swiftly as your cash flow allows. These are all good, sound principles here. No time like the present to ensure your estate planning wishes are documented. There's a message to my loved ones available on Busey.com that makes handling the unexpected that much easier for those you care about the most. And get creative with new and unique passwords. We get lazy on those, I know. It's hard to remember the passwords, I know. But uh, be, be creative with those. Whatever your financial goal, Busey can help. From retirement planning, from buying your first home to expanding your business, from creating an investment to set up a 401k for your employees. Enjoy your summer free from financial worries. Go to visit uh, Busey.com. Stop by one of their many convenient locations. 1051. Penny for your thoughts. Back with more in just a moment. 1053. Penny for your thoughts. News Talk 1400 with you up until 11 o'clock. Back tomorrow again at 9 a.m. More open line uh, time and your phone calls, emails, and texts. And then Jim Dye will join me in hour number two. We'll be off here Wednesday. Have all the patriotic programming for you the ice cream and independence and other readings that uh, i know uh, roger huddleston did one a few years ago i think we still run and uh, i may have one in there somewhere too and then uh, on thursday judge mike mccuskey will join us and we'll see what else we can come up with between now and then for the rest of the month we'll be broadcasting from chicago the big 10 media day later on this month how many days till football 50 some i think it's more than that i can't remember They're counting it down in the News Gazette. (laughs) I just know where I need to be that first Saturday in September. I've got that figured out. 
10.54 here at DWS. Speaking of sports, I don't know if you saw this. Uh, you probably heard about it somewhere. LeBron James is signing with the Los Angeles Lakers, leaving the Cleveland Cavaliers for the second time to join one of the NBA's most iconic franchises. I like this. LeBron James didn't make the announcement. James's agency made the announcement Sunday in a release saying he's agreed to a four-year, $154 million contract. Well, do the math on that. The game's best all-around player, biggest star, will now lead a young Lakers team that has been overmatched in recent years. And also Los Angeles provides James with a larger platform for his business interests and social activism. This is the third time in eight years James has changed teams. He returned to the Cavs in 2014 after four seasons in Miami. 33-year-old LeBron James had previously said he wanted to finish his career in Ohio, although he's leaving home again. Cleveland fans appear to be more forgiving this time because he ended the city's 52-year sports championship drought back in 2016. So, yeah, he did accomplish that, which is one thing he said he wanted to do. So LeBron James going with the Los Angeles Lakers out to the West. All right, this day in history, a couple of things here of note. My uh, daughters were big into the high school musical. If you saw the three movies involved in that, if you have kids roughly that age, you know what I'm talking about. Ashley Tisdale was one of the stars of that uh, three sets of movies there. She's 33. Comedian producer Larry David, co-creator of Seinfeld, is 71 today. This was the day back in 1937. I just saw the movie here recently. Uh, aviator Amelia Earhart disappeared on this day in 1937. Tried to fly around the world. She was 38. You go back and kind of read the uh, the story of how he was attempting to land on an island somewhere in the Pacific, and the signals got crossed. They were trying to communicate with each other, and they couldn't hear each other. And they only had so much fuel and so much time, and they still have never never found her, never found anything there. But uh, the movie's pretty interesting if you get a chance to check it out. This day, 1964, President Johnson signed the Civil Rights Law into act. It banned discrimination on the basis of race. That's uh, on this day, 1964. Going back a few years, 1881, James Garfield, the president, shot at a Washington Railroad station. He died the following September. 1926, the United States Army Corps was created. 1955, the Lawrence Welk Show premiered on ABC TV under its original title, The Dodge Dancing Party. <laughs> That's not as catchy as Lawrence Welk, is it? The Dodge Dancing Party. I don't think I ever heard that. All right, so those are some of the things that have happened uh, on this day in history. And I found one uh, interesting local note, area history here for July 2nd. Uh, 1918, 100 years ago, Lieutenant Raymond Parker of Champaign reported being held prisoner in Germany after being captured by the Germans. It was in World War I. And I mention this because we just uh, found out here recently with the Urbana City budget, they've been one of the things they're cutting is the Urbana Civic Center. But in 1968, 50 years ago, the Urbana City Council approved the construction of a new Urbana Civic Center 50 years ago. Urbana Mayor Stanley Weaver said the Civic Center would serve the city of Urbana for many years to come. Turned out to be about 50 years in that regard. 
All right, 1058 here on a Penny for Your Thoughts. Thank you for the phone calls, emails, and texts along the way today. And thank you to all of our guests from uh, our CEO and uh, publisher now, John Reed. Uh, Jim Dye, of course, does all of our columns, editorial. Uh, works closely with Jeff D'Alessio. Uh, you've got uh, Jim Rosso we had on. We had Mary Shank, Tom Kasich, Jim Dye, and Mike Hale. We appreciate all of them stopping by and sharing their memories of uh, the late John Foreman, who passed away over the weekend, and we're going to miss him. And, uh, again, if we get some uh, details on the visitation and uh, ceremonies and all of that, we will let you know here either on the air or through News Gazette Media, through the papers or online. So uh, stay tuned for all of that. All right, we'll have an open line tomorrow in the first hour. So we'll open it up, talk about uh, the big issues of the day. Seems like one big issue breaks open about every day. So there's always something to talk about here as we work our way through the summer of 2018 and then we'll visit with Jim Dye in hour number two Mike McCuskey comes your way on Thursday after the 4th of July thanks for being with us thanks to all our guests thanks to you our listeners for Ed Bond I'm Brian Barnhart thanks for being with us today I'm Penny for your thoughts WDWS Champaign-Urbana <laughs>